Hello, stackers, and welcome back. As we mentioned on our social media presences a couple weeks ago, we are going to take this week to share another Creation Corner episode. If you've been keeping up with us, you know that we've been working through a series on country creation, and we're going to take a quick break even from that and have a quick informal discussion today about a subject that is probably very near and dear to the hearts of a lot of dungeon masters out there, and that is player engagement. If you've been DMing for any amount of time, you've probably faced a player who sits back and is content to let everyone else do things. Maybe they're more interested in what's on their phone. Uh, They aren't following plot details very well. You know, just whatever signs there might be, you may have struggled with figuring out ways to get your players involved more in the game. And so I have with me today Meredith. Hello! And we're going to chat about things that we have done and things that we could do to increase player engagement and get Meredith's take on it as well. So welcome, Meredith. Thanks. As a quick note before we get started, if you haven't yet rated and reviewed us on iTunes, we sure would welcome that. Also, you can contact us on Twitter and Instagram at Stackadice or by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. I have several points that I wanted to cover And we'll just take these. It's no particular order. It's just kind of talk as we think of things. And so we'll run with it. First of all, I wanted to ask you, Meredith, are there ways that you have noticed player engagement in our games? Well, um, particularly recently in this third season, I've noticed you a lot more often when we get to a new place. You'll go around the table at various different times and say, Meredith, why don't you tell me about uh, you know, what you see in this room? Or Wombrabash, Michael, describe to me the, uh, the type of landscape that you're looking at or whatever. I remember mm-hmm. particularly when we went to the Dawn's house mm-hmm. in Tlacapa, and you had us each take a turn describing something about the entry hallway. Mm-hmm. I've noticed you doing that kind of thing a lot more in the third season than I remember you. I mean, not, not that you never did it before, mm-hmm. but I've, I've noticed a more concerted, purposeful effort to do that almost in every game, it seems. There's at least mm-hmm. a point at which you ask, maybe at least one of us, tell me a bit about, or even just, why don't you describe for me your kill? Or your crushing blow, you know, describe to me how, what your weapon looks like when you do this, you know, yeah, all those kind of things, getting us to fill in the details instead of you always providing the details. Yeah, and that does a couple things. For one thing, it lets you take a hand in the storytelling and helping to shape the world, which I appreciate, and we'll get back to that in just a moment. But also it gives me a quick break to maybe think ahead a little bit True. And like I said, it just means that you don't always have to come up with every single aspect of the, the details of the scene. You know, it gives us a chance to do some of that so that you don't have to be thinking of every single thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. No matter how much I think I have put into a scene, one of you or when Thane was here, especially, he would say something afterward. You know, that was neat. I was thinking this might happen. I, oh, well, of course, why didn't I think of that? You know, and it's just because I'm thinking of so many different things trying to trying to get it working. Mm-hmm. And so turning it over to you, handing over the reins, so to speak, to allow you to really help shape things, I think enriches everything. And it helps us to kind of get our heads in the game because 
you know, when we come together to record, we spend a lot of time just chatting and catching up, you know, talking about our weeks, talking about anything, really. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's hard to just jump straight into playing. Oh, Catherine, I know has mentioned him. Like, Hang on, I got, I got to get, I got to get in, in, you know, in Farron's head or something. I yeah. got to switch from being Catherine to now being Farron. And so that helps too for us to stay focused while we're playing. If we have to come up with things, you know, fill in details of what we're seeing or fill in the details of what we just did, helps us to kind of keep our heads in the game. Yeah, and giving you the reins, so to speak. I I really like that approach. It's something that I've gotten more comfortable with doing in this game. And I think it's due in large part to the group that I play with on alternating Sunday evenings because the Dungeon Master Jonathan, shout out Jonathan, does a great job of telling bits of the story, but then asking for input from each of the players. And so you can learn a lot from playing in other games if you're lucky enough to be able to locate other people who are willing to let you into their games, DMs. Uh, you know, the, the perpetual DM or the forever DM is is a stereotype and a thing for a reason. But if you're fortunate enough to be able to find a game with an extra seat, I'd say try and take it. Not only does it get you out of running a game, but it lets you see how other DMs handle situations and opens you up to new ways of thinking about playing. I also like the idea in this game from the beginning, one of my ideas was having I called the milestones at the time, but basically major plot points that were set at intervals throughout. And you all in between those have complete freedom of movement. Yeah, there's been more than one time in the last three years <laughs> where you had something in mind for us to do. And you said, okay, uh, this, da, 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 what are you going to do next? And then we'll say, well, I'm going to run after him or I'm going to ignore that and do this. And then you're like, all right. And only <laughs> afterwards we find out that was the opposite direction that you had mm-hmm. anticipated us going. And, you know, so we just kind of had to take a little sidebar there. Yeah. And that's been perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I think I think it made for a much more natural flow. It gives this the, I guess, illusion, really, that you're in a larger world where if you see a, a side path that looks interesting to you, you're free to take it. And I've really appreciated that about you as a dungeon master, because, I mean, this is, this is me guessing because I'm not deep in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I really only play our game. Mm-hmm. But it seems to, I have this idea in my head that for the most part, a dungeon master will try and steer the players in the direction that they had prepared for. Like, I, I want you to go find this thing, and it's over here. So if you, when players make choices that are going to take them away from that, uh, you know, DMs might be tempted to throw up roadblocks, which would indicate can't go that way, or you really shouldn't go that way, and get back <laughs> on this course over here, you know. And I understand that, that how tempting that would be, because mm. you've prepared some stuff. Right. And so it'd be easy for you to you're anticipating that the game is going to go in that direction. And so then when the players go off book, you know, and call an audible and go this way, (laughs) it would be tempting to be like, let's get back on track because I don't know what to do if you go that way. But I think you've handled our sidestepping what you had planned uh, really, really well. Because like I said, most of the time, it wouldn't be until after the end of the game, you'd say, well... That's not what I thought you were going to do. And they'd be like, oh, really? It seemed like you just kind of went on and did it. (laughs) Let me just throw my notes on the floor here. (laughs) Uh, But the great news is, or the great thing is, 
you know, if you're comfortable enough with allowing that, you'll find a way to bring it back. And that's, that's again, why I had the milestones that there are very specific points, you know, the ascending of the pillars, right. the way you go about it, I don't care, mm-hmm. you know, and we're working together to tell this story. And once you get there, there's a fairly set number of things that are happening. And then it's on to the next one and figuring out. And I've been trying to make improvements to that as we go. But I also really just like the fact, I like the notion, the explosion of open world games and video games right now, where so many games are moving to these large scale environments where basically if you can see it in the distance, you can get there. Uh, As opposed to early first person games where you know, you, you would go and then there would be a hedge in your way or something just like you were talking about with blockades and the DM mm-hmm. limiting how you, where you can go. Right. Uh, nowadays, the trend is more, let's give them the world and then they can wander around in it. And when they feel like it, they can get back to the quest. Uh, I, I like that notion and I hope it's not slowing down the pacing of the game. I, I've wanted to keep the story moving so that Listeners aren't bored out of their minds, but I also like the idea that the quest is there and it's it's urgent, but that still doesn't detract from the wonder of the world and coming to appreciate the details and hopefully some of the the care that we're putting into making the world that we're describing. And that leads me to, and I've, I know we've talked about it in the past, why I start off the episodes for the most part with who's ready to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And then you all say me. Because, you know, it's not a hypothetical question. It, I, I, I genuinely am asking who's ready to help tell this story. It, it makes my heart smile to hear the three of you say, me. <laughs> because, you know, I know that you're in then. And oh, so yeah. uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to make that a part of the games and hopefully help you realize, yeah, we're helping to tell it. This is our oh, story. Absolutely. We're yeah. putting our names on it. That's right. I do miss our questions that we used to start with. Yeah, maybe we can pick that back up in season four or something. Yeah, we'll we'll think about it. Mainly, I didn't want to belabor our recording times. I didn't want to extend them and make, make our editing, for one thing, mm-hmm. longer, uh, but also have people get bored with things. And I, I, to be fair, I was starting to run out of ideas for questions, but I think there was some value in taking a moment to leave aside the the out of game conversations we were having start thinking like your character right get in the zone yeah yeah and well, then and then roll we got into that, the game. Uh, 500 questions or whatever it is book over there that's that, true that may have i mean obviously not everything will end up being applicable to the D world but i'm sure in there there's got to be at least um, at least a good handful that um are generic enough that they could be adapted to mm-hmm. tira and womper bash and farron yeah just have to look through it and see what's in there that's right Another way to drive player engagement is descriptive scenes. And I've really had a lot of fun writing out and thinking up the way I present places in our episodes. Uh, Trying to think, okay, what does the city look like in my mind? And then on top of that, asking the very pointed question, how do I take that picture and make it fantastic? What do I do? And so that's where the, the glowing moss came from in Flynnmore. Yeah, yeah. That's where the tree village came from in the jungle. Yeah. You know, little touches and things that you've seen fantasy cities depicted in cartoons and in movies and such. What is it that makes them stick in our minds? 
and then trying to turn that into words and trying to put that into a recording so that it all hopefully stays with us and makes sense. And I try and use, I try and engage the senses in those descriptions. What do you smell? What do you hear? Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel? Uh, is it cooler here? What, whatever it might be. So it's more than just what you see. Yeah. And I, I think that sort of pulling in each of the five senses helps with the engagement. Well, and it just creates a more complete picture because in real life, when you go to a place, all of your senses are engaged. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, uh, you know, head up to Mackinac Island in Michigan, um, you know, you hear seagulls flying, you feel the spray coming in off of the, uh, the lake. You smell fudge. You, exactly. <laughs> you taste fudge. You, uh, you smell the tang of, you know, beach, beach. Water. Yeah, water and seaweed or whatever is in there. Um, but yeah, so when you go somewhere on vacation or just whatever, you do more than just see what you're looking at. You hear sounds, you smell smells, you feel things. Um, and so that, that does really help to, to draw in and create a more complete picture, mm -hmm. not only for us as players, but hopefully for our listeners as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the key challenges of podcasting, especially with audio only podcasting, uh, where we can't rely on pictures or, I mean, we could do, we could post related pictures on our social media presences, mm -hmm. but. And we have a, a few times, like, yeah. here's an example of what we were talking mm -hmm. about. But in general, we, we rely on what we call the theater of the mind. Yeah. Props. Sometimes we resort to props. I've made some for the game yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that you all have enjoyed. Come Halloween time, we put up the webs and things yeah. to try and create a, something, Spooky, of, an, something of an atmosphere. atmosphere. Yeah. I've read in the past of neat ways to help enhance the mood of a D&D game. Uh, one that I thought was kind of neat was if you can swing it, we, we have issues with it here in our rental place, having almost like a spotlight where when it's time to play, especially if it's in the evening, you turn off all the other lights and you just have the, the light over the table on. And so you're more focused inward. Things that you can do to keep players from being distracted by perhaps the environment around them helping to draw them in to what's going on in the middle of the room instead of mm -hmm. elsewhere. Out on the edges. Mm -hmm. We use phones at the table for various things. Uh, in our last recording or so, I noticed there was some phone referencing going on, you know, and that's fine. Well, and, and Kat has that Spellbooks app up yeah, to, yeah. to refer to her stuff. But yeah. in general, we put our phones on Do Not Disturb and turn them over. Mm-hmm. And that's very helpful. So DMs, if you have the ability to enforce that on players or encourage that in players, that's not a bad idea. You know, if they have tracking tools that they use on their phones, okay. But the temptation is so strong. You know, mm -hmm. I've got this, oh, hey, I just got a text. Yeah. Ooh, there's a sale for this kind of thing over here. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's, it's easy to get sidetracked. And before you know it, you're not paying attention right. at all. And you're just pulled out, you know, you're kind of pulled out of ho however engaged and however focused in the, and in your character you've gotten. And you look at that and it's, it's like, it's like somewhere in time pulling the penny out of your pocket, <gasps> you know, <laughs> breaks the mood. Yeah. And I think the last thing that I wanted to discuss, the last point was uh, giving players a chance to shine. Understanding what your players' strengths are 
and their characters' strengths are, and then giving in-game opportunities for them to play to those strengths. And you'll find, I think, that uh, there's moments where the players will begin to look forward to. Well, I know for me, I always look forward to the big boss fight because that's (laughs) all I can do, really. I mean, like, my contributions to the group are mainly in hired muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so not that I don't enjoy other parts, you know, the traveling and the back and forth, the building relationship with me and Bash or me and Farron or me and Peter when he was here. But when it comes to performance. Right. You know, when it's time to do something and we get to a fight, I'm like, all right, man, it's on now. Yeah, let me do that stone cunning check. (laughs) (laughs) Still salty about that. Yeah, I'm thinking of maybe changing up how we do those. The way that I'm considering is that you'll always have some level of success, even if you roll a one. You know know stuff about stuff. If that's a feature of my person, it just seems odd that I could fail at it. (laughs) But that's like my, it's a feature that I have. And and there, you know, there are classes that work to, uh, to shift that. The rogue has, uh, I forget the name of the skill. At a certain level, you just take 10. Mm-hmm. So if you roll low, consider it a 10. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That would be nice. I would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we um, may do that for your stone cunning check. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to giving Farron more opportunities. I feel like she feels like uh, she's not contributing as much. And that's a function of her newness to this sort of game. Yeah, I was. That's what I was going to say. That it has made sense up to this point that maybe she hasn't had a huge shining moment yet because her character is new to the quest that we're on. She's new to the world of magic, um, and so it has been that kind of the her arc for this season has just been her discovery of those things. Yeah, and so maybe going into the finale or something like that. Maybe in the finale she'll have. A kind of a shining light bulb moment, or um, and certainly going forward into, into season four, uh, she should have uh, more opportunities for that as she is at that point more familiar with and comfortable with her abilities. Uh, Bash has certainly had lots of shining moments. Um, can't think of any right now, but <laughs> well, he's had a lot of introspective moments recently with going back to his childhood home. Yeah, that was all very interesting, actually, to be in on, to get to get more of Bash's backstory. And even just the way Michael plays Bash, Mm -hmm. he's got, he has a lot of memorable moments that we like to refer back to. And then I'm sure you as stackers have have favorite Bash moments or favorite things that Bash has said. (laughs) Um, Going back a little bit. Uh, another way that you might be able as a dungeon master to promote player engagement is to, in the guise of giving players chances to shine, is actually sending the other players away from the table, sending them to another room while you have a one-on-one scene with the player that's left at the table. And that that's really fun because now the players out of the room are left wondering, what is going what on? What happened? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when you come back to the table... The person that stayed has this knowing look on his face or yeah. maybe he's crying or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever. He looks shell-shocked. Yeah, yeah. So that, that might be another way, DMs, an easy way to, to really increase tension or mystery 
the easiest way, of course, is to send messages. And, and we have done that as well with Bash and his conversations with his father. We use Facebook Messenger. I send and he receives, but then he speaks out loud in response. And that's been a lot of fun. Too. Yeah, that was always interesting. I was like, what is he saying yeah. to you? What's he saying? Exactly. And so you as the player. And we still don't know. Right. Like Catherine and I or and Thane and I, we never did know uh-huh. what what exact message Rhett was sending to Michael. You know, his responses would always indicate, okay, he's either, he, he's being verbally abused or he is, uh, you know, doubt is being sown in his mind, but the actual, like, what was the actual thing he said? We yeah. don't, we still don't know. And I think I've mentioned this in the past, but Catherine did pull up his Facebook messenger a few months ago. Oh, did she? And she started looking through it. She said, what is Rhett sending you? Because <laughs> it looks horribly abusive. Yeah. <laughs> and he had to so, explain. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, was, exactly. It's a game thing. Yeah. It's a game thing. Overall, with these points, and I'm sure, again, as with any of these Creation Corner episodes, there's tons of things we could talk about, plenty of examples that we could pull in. And so at the end, DMs especially, we want to offer you a chance to chime in. But Meredith, I wanted to ask you, what have we done that has been really most effective to you uh, as far as player engagement? You may have already talked about it at the beginning. Um, I'm not sure if this is what you mean by player engagement, when it, but whenever you go to a cutscene, I'm just riveted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just. <gasps> yeah, I, I wanted to mention cutscenes also because that's yeah. been, I think that's been the most fun, the single most fun addition that I've made to this. Yeah. Those are always exciting. It's exciting when he says, and we, but we lift off for what, you know, we, we, we rise, up, we rise up in the air. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I get all excited. And and there's been a lot of revelation involved in those scenes, things that our characters don't know. These aren't these aren't like visions that we are being given. That, that I mean these are not visions that our characters are being given. This is just um what was I gonna say there? Just dramatic irony. Why irony? You as people know more than the characters do. Oh, okay, is that what that means? Yeah. Sweet. Um I guess it is. It's it is a bit of dramatic irony because we as players and you as listeners know more than the characters do mm-hmm. about what's happening away from the action. Mm-hmm. That there's more going on and you know over here and and back there and yeah, so those I have really enjoyed. They keep me engaged mentally. Good. And that's what we're um, looking for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't participate in those other than listening with rapt attention. I actually get super nervous whenever you say, Meredith, why don't you describe to me what this rule is? I'm like, it's yeah. going to be stupid. Whatever I say is not going to be good. Um, well, you but- know, the great thing is with four of us all taking part in it, you know, we can build on it and shift it and shape it and make it into something that's a creation of all of us. I love the notion of just throwing out ideas. Yeah, that is probably one of the last remnants of my, I guess that's one of the last places where my self-consciousness about my newness to the game rears its ugly head. Because I'm like, I'm expected to describe something in a D&D, and I understand it's our homebrewed world, and technically 
I could say whatever I want, but I wanted to make sense mm-hmm. for the D&D world. I mm-hmm. don't want to say something that, that people who are like hardcore D&Ders are like, oh, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> that's not, that would not be there or whatever and, and sound like an idiot, you know? So yep. that's kind of, that's like the last place where I'm like, what kind of a creature would even exist here? What, what would be here or whatever, so... Uh, before we wrap up, I did want to go back to one last thing uh, yeah. about handing over the reins. Mm. I love it, and I think any dungeon master loves it when the players talk in character amongst themselves for minutes at a time. <laughs> it is incredibly liberating for a DM to set the scene and then just sit back and let the players converse in character, You know, talking about a situation, coming up with a plan, wh- whatever the case may be. I have prepared the plate, I've put it out, and you all start picking at it. You know, just to hear you talking as Tira, as Bash, as Farron, as Peter, and working through the situation, that is wonderful. That's another mental image I have of Jonathan in our alternating Sunday games. He just sits back every now and then, and he he waves his fingers in the air like, keep on going, you, you guys have it, you just drive. And, uh, and then we know we have free reign. Whatever we say is going to fly. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. And it's entertainment for you, too. So you're getting a little bit of, hey, I'll just sit back and watch how this plays out. Yeah, yeah. And then if I need to step in and correct something or... Well, actually, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, Then then there's that opportunity. But it's just marvelous. And I I encourage that more and more. I I love it it and want to see more of it between the three of you. (laughs) So I'll ask you, stackers, are there things that immerse you more, things that we perhaps haven't spoken about in this short episode, what can we do to draw you in more? There's all sorts of things that we haven't covered. You know, maybe you could have players write up stories that could become a part of the world behind the scenes, and then you start to reveal that throughout the course of the game. Maybe every now and then you could swap places with one of the players and have them DM a game and just see how that goes. There's potential good in that. Uh, What if the DM were to give you a piece of the world and just say, this is yours to create. And when we get there, you'll start revealing the details about it. You know, there's all sorts of ways you could really start to draw people in and draw people out of themselves. So with that, we want to thank you stackers for joining us as we have spent time talking about player engagement. Again, we encourage you if you have any questions, comments, things you would like to talk about, in regards to this, please do catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Stackadice, or you can send us an email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Next week, we will have another actual play episode. We have a couple queued up, and so those are on the way over the next two weeks. And with that, we want to wish you a good week ahead, and we'll see you here again next time at Stackadice. Bye!